You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Hello, guys. Good morning. We, uh, we've been doing a series called Known to be Grown, and I, I kind of want to say that you are a significant part of your own growth. Your willingness and your cooperation are crucial elements to you growing in your faith and growing in your relationship with Jesus. And to do that, we've been uh, basing it around looking at 1 and 2 Corinthians and um, seeing what all that might mean for us. We've we've skimmed over parts of it, and then we've taken a slightly deeper dive. And today, I just want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, it's worth just being aware that I know for, for some of you, you're exploring who Jesus is. And uh, for some of you, this will be the first time you've ever been in a room like this. Well, I, I want to say we're delighted you're here. We're delighted you're, you're joining us online, maybe for the first time. But my best encouragement would be that the more you discover of Jesus, the more you will discover that you need to become more like him. So we come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. And some of you, you will have been following Jesus for a while. And the, the danger is that that actually starts to become a bit of a, like a routine thing. It starts to become a religious thing. And, you know, you're like, you kind of like, I've, I've got this. And you start going through the motions. Again, my encouragement would be don't, don't slip into that. We come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. It doesn't matter how long we've been doing it. We have to be people that keep growing and changing. And a significant part and a significant factor in that journey is actually being known by others because we're shaped and we're changed by the discipleship journey alongside other people. That's kind of where we've been going with, with some of this series. Just another thing that I think is worth mentioning, because sometimes we kind of, we forget it, is um, God's got a book out. I don't know if you know that. It's actually a bestseller. It's, it's really good. And if you haven't read it, it's worth reading and worth reading regularly. It's actually 66 books wrapped up into one book. We call it the Bible. But read it, read it regularly. As, as it's something that is going to really shape us and change us. And so we don't come as we are. Sorry, we do come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. And I think the more we read the book, the more we go on the journey with other people, the more we're changed and shaped. So I want to look at one of those books today. I'm going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm hoping we're roughly going to pull out three things. Um, it's going to be this. Firstly, don't settle for less. Secondly, our goal is to please him. And then thirdly, just looking at uh, what our job is in that process. But before we look at that, let me let me just tell you um, a quick story. Last week, we were away and um, we deeply, deeply miss you when we're not here on Sundays. I don't know if you find that, but we always do when we're not here. Even the kids were like, man, I miss being with church i miss being with our family and uh, anyway we arrived at the place that we're staying and as we we walked in our youngest daughter she's five she said daddy why have they got a fire spray and um i'm i'm trying to work out what she meant and of course you've probably worked out already she meant like a fire extinguisher but our eldest daughter who's nine before i've kind of managed to work it out and come up with a response she's jumped into answering the question potentially with a little more detail than i would have when describing it to a five-year-old so she's like well when there's a fire and it's and it's really big and the whole house is burning and everything we own is burning and everything around us is burning and there's flames everywhere 
that's when you, you need it. And our little Liv, she's five, you could just see her face is like panic and, and fear. And uh, I'm, I'm literally pouring water on it, excuse the pun, but I'm like, don't worry about any of that. What we do is we, we just get out. If ever there's a fire, which there won't be, we just get out. And uh, if ever there is, which there won't be, we get out and we leave everything. We don't take anything, we just get out. And there's this moment between the pair of them that was just absolute stunned silence. And I'm, I'm just thinking, I, I kind of bossed that. I think I've sorted that situation out. Everyone's happy, no, no further questions. Let's crack on with the holiday. And after a while, So says, Daddy, do you remember when we stayed in that hotel? And I'm like, no, no, not really. And she's like, oh, like last year. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I do. And she's like, do you remember when the fire alarm went off? And I'm like, well, I do now you mention it, but actually I'd forgotten that. But brilliant, we're back on the fire chat that I was trying to like move us on from. And um, she's remembered, do you, do you remember what we did, Daddy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. We left everything and we got out really quickly and it was fine. Come on, let's look out the window and talk about something else. And she's like, no, you said, where's my bag? And <laughs> grab what you can. And uh, you started to list off a load of stuff that you thought was important, starting with my Nintendo Switch. And uh, sometimes kids just nail you, don't they? It's like, oh, brilliant. I... But anyway, that wasn't the end of it. Because she's like, and then when we got to the door, you said, hang on a minute, you need the loo. Go to the fridge and get all the best stuff because we don't know how long we're going to be out for. And I'm like, did I really say that? And she's like, yeah, you did. I'm like, yeah, I think I probably did. But anyway, textbook bad behavior. It's all out in the open. I was a hypocrite and we somehow managed to work for it. And we didn't do what we should have done. And I'm like, if ever there's a fire, which there won't be, we're not going to be doing that. But the conversation landed in this really fascinating place. Why is it that when we go under a degree of pressure, that, you know, like the fire alarm goes off, you just grab stuff? And for me, it was like, grab the best stuff, raid the fridge, go to the loo, let's do what we've got to do, grab your earthly treasures, and let's get out of it. So often, I think we live with this false sense of permanence and seeking stability for this life. Let's, let's just look at the passage. It's in the Bible. I encourage you, bring your Bible, read your Bible. Um, I'm going to read it from my notes because I'm going to jump around a bit. But 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says this, For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. This is just a tent, and yet so often we live like it's a house, or we try and make it a house. During one of the um, earlier lockdowns, our summer holiday plans got massively changed, and when we went camping. Some of you are like, yeah, you're camping, we love that, you're outdoorsy people. Others of you are like, why on earth did you do that, what's wrong with you? And uh, anyway, they pitch us on this pitch that they don't normally pitch people on, because it was in front of one of those little cabin things that looked quite nice, but they weren't able to rent out because of the restrictions at the time. But that was behind, sorry, in front of this, this huge building, which was kind of protecting it, but the, the view from that particular spot was amazing. We're like overlooking a lake and there's nobody in front of us or at the side of us and we're just overlooking this beautiful spot and then in the distance we could see the rest of the campsite and we're like, we've 
despite COVID, we've landed ourselves in a good place here. Despite camping, we're in a good place. Anyway, uh, one night about three in the morning, there's, there's this storm and uh, the wind is going absolutely crazy. And I've woken up just to hearing our um, table and our cooker and everything basically like smacking over and crashing to the floor. And I've, I've gone outside and I've, um, I've like doubled down on all the, the tent pegs. And amazingly, where we were, as I just described, we were incredibly well protected. The wind was just rolling off the building off this hut thing and then kind of pretty much bypassing us. And um, bypassing us, but pretty much slamming full on into everyone else. It was absolute carnage. There were literally people stood there in their pyjamas clinging to their tents with stuff just like blowing away. And some people are trying to pack up their cars and, and leave, and pretty much everyone is up out of their tents trying to secure something. And as we're in this like slightly um, protected space, Sophie and I just went around helping people. And she'll probably never forget it because it's like three in the morning, bit of drama. We were thriving, helping other people. Anyway, I guess my point is kind of this, that human life... Is, is like a tent in that it's temporary and it's vulnerable. And yet so often to our minds, this present existence becomes the solid or the real thing. And we live and function like we have a house. And then when anything wobbles it, we grab everything we can and we try and hunker down and we try and find a sense and degree of stability and security. And I guess the first point I wanted to make is don't settle for less than it should be. This, this is just a tent. This thing that we are now is just a tent in the wind. The new dwelling is eternal and it's from God. And yet so often we live like this is it. To our minds, this present existence is solid and it's real. And the coming existence feels distant, shadowy and insubstantial. And what Paul is actually trying to say is the complete reverse is true. It's the life to come that is strong, that is permanent, that is real. And this present life is actually lived among the shadows. And I want to remind us, don't settle for less. Don't settle for this. Don't try and make this tent our home. Changing that perspective and seeing it that way, I believe, will change so much for us. Realising that will actually shape how you live and how you act in the here and now. It goes on, verse 2 says this, We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Verse 3 and verse 4 says, For we will put on heavenly bodies... We will not be spirits without bodies. We will live in these earthly bodies. We groan and sigh because it's not that we want to die or get rid of these bodies that clove us. It's rather that we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. What's, what's, what's happening here? Well, verse 2, we grow weary. We have an awareness that this isn't how it's meant to be. You know, if, if at times this thing, this life, feels like a bit of a slog, if it feels like there's something out of place, if it feels like there's, there's, there's just a tension and it's not clicking, yeah, of course, because we grow weary with this as it is. We grow weary, and verse 2, it says we long. We grow weary and we're longing for it to be different. Verse 4 takes it a bit further. Actually, it says more than that. It says this, we groan and we sigh. 
Why do we groan and we sigh? We groan and we sigh because we're longing for it to be different. Why do we long for it to be different? Because this isn't it. This is a temporary thing. This is a tent thing. This isn't our home. We get buffeted and battered and blown by the wind. And yet sometimes we try and live like this is our home and we grab stuff that gives us shelter and security and stability. But this isn't it. And when we settle for this and when we try and meet the needs and demands of life in a way that doesn't allow us so easily to have the bigger perspective and the purpose to which actually we're called. If sometimes you feel like literally you're clinging to a tent that is blowing away, if you're trying to hammer it down and yet things keep just getting smacked and battered and pushed into the air and you're scrambling and it's just not settled, actually, that's exactly it. And exactly how often it might be or feel because we're longing, groaning, looking, waiting for something else, because this is just a tent. You don't build your home in a tent. This is just temporary. And the focus shouldn't be the tent. The focus shouldn't be the career, the financial stability, whatever it is that you might seek to see and filter life through. It's just a tent. And at any point in any way, that tent can get blown by the wind and there's a groaning and a sighing in us for something more and something different and something else verse five rather we put we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life god himself has prepared us for this as a guarantee he has given us the holy spirit our longing for life in this new age doesn't arise in us it needs to be awakened. The spirit who belongs to the new age, but who God has given us now prepares us for our new dwelling. That's kind of what the passage is saying. God himself has prepared us for this as a guarantee. He has given us the Holy Spirit. That's what it's saying in verse five. What we have now is the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing us an expected future payment in full. What we have now is just a deposit. What is coming will be in full. I want to say this to you. Don't settle for less. Let the Spirit of God be awakened in you. Use this time as preparation for what is ahead. It's kind of like an engagement ring. We're in the in-between. You've got the guarantee. You've got the Spirit of God living in you. But don't settle for this. You know, some of you are groaning and sighing. I honestly, I, I feel like actually, it's bizarre I speak on this this week because I feel like I've done that a lot this week myself. Just the pain and the reaction to what's going on in the Ukraine and various other parts of the world. It's not right. It's wrong. And I groan and I sigh and I long for it to be what it should be because this isn't it. You know, just as a side point, we didn't get to mention it earlier, but there are a number of vineyards in the Ukraine. And I think in these moments, you step out and you stand alongside people who are family. And um, we're, we're in touch with them through others. And there is also a vineyard project out there that we're working quite closely with. And we will keep you posted on how best we can serve and support them as it unfolds. Currently, they would say this, they are deeply grateful to know one you're praying for them too that you're standing alongside them they intend to remain out there as long as they possibly can to see 
the kingdom extended in what is remarkably challenging times for them. Vineyard Church is on their website and social media um, are, are regularly currently sharing some of the, the prayer updates and best ways we can stand alongside them. And we'd encourage you to do that. There's also um, whole movements and denominations coming together for collective times of prayer as well. And we'd, we'd encourage you to step into that. It's heartbreaking, but it's another groan and another sigh. Don't, don't settle for this. Don't settle for what is. Second thing is this. Our goal is to please him. Verse 6 says, so we're always confident, even though we know that we long as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. So we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we're fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. Can I ask you, what is, what is your goal? Do you have a goal? That's a pretty good goal. It's kind of worth noting, you can please God. Do, do you know what pleases him? Because that's our goal, is to live that way. So we've got to know what pleases him. Do you live in a way that, that, that pleases him? Don't build and furnish the home here. Realize you're in a tent that gets blown about by the wind, but live to please him, because that's our goal. Honestly, if we do those two things, I think it's going to remarkably change our lives. It will change how you spend your time. It will change how you spend your money. It will change who and how you interact with. It will change how you parent. It will change what you do socially. It will change you because our goal is to please him. The constant and the consistent filter is to, is to know that our goal is to please him. That's the people that we are and what we're called to. So that's going to, it's going to change what's in your head what's going on in your mind when no one else can see it. It's going to change how you interact and, and live alongside your spouse or your housemate. It's going to change how you interact with your boss. It's going to change how you work. It's going to change the conversations you have with your friends because the goal and the aim is does it please him? Because that's the goal. Does, does, this, does this stuff change you? Because it, honestly, it changes me. Come as you are, but don't, don't stay as you are. Because your goal is to please him. Not to please yourself, but to please him. So don't settle for less than it should be. Your goal isn't career progression. Your goal is kingdom extension to please him. Your, your goal isn't, does this make me feel good? Does this satisfy me? Does this make me feel comfortable and secure? Does this just give me a good laugh with my mates? Is this the, 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 the thing that I want to do in the long term? Does this help me deal with my pains and frustrations? Actually, none of that's the goal. The goal is to please him. So what, what does that look like? How do we filter life through that lens? Verse 11 because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. There's, there's, a, there's a reference and a, there's a reverence about pleasing God. We've got to develop quite a healthy fear of God, I would say. Proverbs 9, verse 10, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. The, the fear of the Lord actually frees us from anxieties and worries. Knowing that God is for us, can keep us unafraid of earthly powers, people, governments, or forces of nature, because God takes care of his own. The fear of God gives us this uncommon courage in the face of life's troubles and hardships. I, 
kind of was deeply moved by seeing some of the the videos and pictures of some of the Ukrainians on their knees praying to Jesus in towns and cities across their country, worshipping collectively together in areas of, of the metro as people are coming in. That is, that is uncommon behaviour. But because their hope and their faith and trust is in so much bigger than this earthly tent, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, verse 11, verse 9 and 10, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, I've got to be honest, that would be easier to skip over that little verse, wouldn't it? That's, that's not an easy one. But again, I, I just want to remind us, don't settle for less. Don't settle for the ten. I think there is a difference and quite a significant difference between inheritance and reward. Let me just reflect on the two. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of worker each builder, sorry, what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Again, we touch on rewards. Ephesians 6, verse 8, remember the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. Now, please, please, please don't take that as a soundbite out of context. Don't hear me wrong. Jesus has got it. We are saved by Christ alone, through faith alone, through grace alone. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. You couldn't do anything. Honestly, it is all Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But he doesn't just call you out of something. He calls you into something. And it's so important we realize and reflect on that, that one day we'll stand before him. And all that you are and all that you have been will be visible before him. I want to be a person that pleases God. I don't know if you ever had exam panics. You know, most of us will have had that. You've got an exam or you've got a test or whatever coming up and you get, you get the exam sweats because it kind of motivates you to revise. Sometimes we leave it a bit late, but you just you step into that place because of what is coming. That's kind of the best human example I can give, which isn't great because it's a human example, but it's, there's a healthy fear of the Lord. I've got this, hang on a minute, I am saved without doubt, but I want to please you. I want to do something about it. And there is this difference between inheritance and reward. Luke 19 verse 16 says this. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with little I, entrust you, I entrusted you with, so you will be the governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest in on it. 
Then turning to others standing by, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. And yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even the little they have will be taken away. Inheritance is based on Jesus' merits. Reward is based on our service. Inheritance is, is, is freely given by the grace of God. Reward is given in proportion to our work. Inheritance is our condition. Being a son or a daughter, reward is the condition of a laborer. Inheritance is seeing salvation based as a birthright. Reward is seeing blessing based on obedience. Inheritance is we must have faith in Jesus. Reward is we must be faithful to him. Inheritance is secure. Reward is pending. Do you see what I mean? You can please God. We need to be faithful stewards of all that he's given us. It's not you, it's him through you. You in and through your weakness. Don't settle for this. Don't settle for less. This is just an earthly tent. Seek to please him. Come as you are, but please don't stay as you are. We have to stir ourselves, I believe, with and for courage and purpose. You know, the obsession among the, the Corinthians at that time was to focus on the visible and on the tangible things, to live by sight, their hope started to become locked and it started to become limited by the religious and the social and political systems of the here and now. The power of God is released and best understood, as we looked at last week, in our weakness. Because this is just a tent. Outwardly it will waste away, but inwardly, by the Spirit, it has been recreated and created anew for the new age. At the point the tent is dismantled, and let's be honest, one day it will be, we have another, a better, a permanent, glorious body, a building from God and an eternal thing in heaven. Now, now some of you I know, we kind of get used to this. It's like, yeah, 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 I get all of that. Holy Spirit, he'll break into our weakness. We trust him, he will move through us. It's kind of like yes and no. Yes, that's it. But no, that cannot become routine. That cannot just become lip service. Honestly, I, I believe some of you need zapping, for want of a better word. You need ambushing by the Holy Spirit. It can't be you. It needs to be him through you. So easily we start to think that it's us. We can do a few things quite well, can't we? We get good at things. We get proficient at things. We can help make stuff happen. We become successful. Things go well and all of that. It becomes our plan and our strategy and our thinking. And honestly, that's, that's not really how it works. It's in weakness. It's him through us and we get out of the way. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27. Instead, God chose things that the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. It's not about us. I feel like I'm just on repeat saying that each week, but it's not because the economy of God's kingdom is really quite simple. Every step in costs us everything we've gained to date. Give it all up again. 
Honestly, give it all up again. Get out of the way of the thing that you think is you and you're successful at because it needs to be him. And actually, that is incredibly liberating. For some of you, I, I think when I talk about pleasing God, you're like, you, you feel so condemned in who you are, you don't think you even can. I'd, I'd, and you list off even now, you'd be listing off all the reasons you can't and won't. Well, well you can because it's not you, it's him. It's you coming simply in your weakness. Verse 12, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's kind of, it's a bit of a beauty. We could spend a week on this, but it talks about rather than having a spectacular ministry, having a sincere heart. That's, that's all we need to do. This isn't a spectacular thing. This isn't about us achieving something, doing something. This is us being as sincere as we can in our heart, seeking to please God. So what, what does that actually look like? Well, let me just jump on a little bit actually before I do I just can't really skip verse 14 it's another beauty either way it says either way Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all we also believe that we have all died to our old life he died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them Christ's love controls us we're no longer supposed to live for ourselves. We're supposed to live for him. Doing that well, you know, verse 18 gives us this, this, this massive steer as to what's part of that. It says God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. If we want to know what we're meant to be about, that's part of what we're meant to do. We could sit there for a while and we could dwell on that. But let me just land the, the third thing I wanted to, to look at this morning, and it's this, our job. What does this actually look like for us? What's our job? Well, verse 20 says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We are an ambassador of Jesus. There's probably no better word or description I think you could come up with than ambassador. That is such a great insight into what our job and our role is. What is, what is an ambassador? It's an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. Philippians 3 verse 20, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly await for him to return as our saviour. This is just a tent. I know I've said that a lot, but it really is. We're, 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 we're living as foreigners in a land. We're temporary residents. The church is an outpost of God's community his empire, community of people whose passport has been stamped heaven, but who continue to live in this foreign land, earth, with the aim of making that foreign land more and more like home. And God designed the, the, the local church, these little outposts of heaven scattered throughout the world where people who share the same passport can regroup, speak the home language, encourage each other, equip each other as missionaries and sent out ones to the world around them. Now, we've got to be honest, mission is hard. So the outposts are vital. We're, 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 we're not a social club. We're an army barracks. 
This isn't just meant to be a fun thing. This is meant to engage us to do something. We've got a job and a purpose and a function to fulfill. The ambassador has to look like and represent what the home country looks like, surely. You've got to look more like Jesus, else you're not going to be a foreigner in the land. You weren't meant to fit in. I was just chatting with a few of you this morning before we started. We were just talking about the workplace where it's quite hard and you're quite different. And the way people around you live is very different to the way you're living. Well, that's the, that's the groaning and the sighing. Sometimes we don't fit in because we're trying to live differently. And I want to say, don't fit in. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. You're not meant to fit in. But I've got to know what he's like so that I can become like him, so that I don't fit in. I've got to have read the book. I've got to be known by others, by others in the embassy who can help me along the way. We've got to have a vision and an understanding of what heaven's like. What does he want you to look like? How do you please him? We aren't just trying to survive or get through this life. This isn't even just an us thing. This is a collective thing. What does it look like for us to become more like him? To see the kingdom of God, the breaking in of the reign and rule of Jesus here on earth as it is in heaven. This, this isn't our thing. This church, honestly, I've got to tell you, it's not our thing. It's not our church. It's his church. And he's got to be able to do what he wants to do through it. And to do that, we've really got to get out of the way. We won't see all that we believe we could see or should see whilst we're in the way. Because our job is just to be simple ambassadors of him. So what's that going to look like when you get home today? When you interact with your friends or family, when you consider the stuff you watch or you read or how you talk or you're in the place of work tomorrow. Do you see what I mean? He's, he's, you're, you're, you're the ambassador and you're supposed to please him. There's no way, no way that allows you to stay as you are. Now, the one thing I guarantee is, uh, well, I know I do, but I think I can guarantee it for you. We need the Holy Spirit to do something quite remarkable in us and through us to allow us to become more like he's calling us to be. And our stiff, sometimes British, upper lip in a British mentality causes us to think this is for everyone else. And we just want to keep it kind of neat and tidy and under control. <laughs> That's not how it works. I, honestly, I've, I, I've been ambushed by the Holy Spirit. I started by saying that I have so many times. I still am and I still need to be because I can't become an ambassador without it. We've, we've got to become more like him, and it's him that helps us to do that. So we need him. Let me just finish by telling you this story. In about 2003, I stood in a leaders meeting in the church plant that we were in at the time, and I can't remember what I was leading. I don't think I even was leading anything. I think they just wanted to get me in the room, so I was ambushed by the Holy Spirit. So if ever you're in environments where you're like, why am I here? It's probably that. 
just trying to see the Lord do something in your life. But um, I, I can't remember any of what the meeting was about, what they were talking about or anything, but I remember the moment of ministry time like it was this morning because we did the standard thing that we do most Sundays here. Just, just wait on the Lord and see what he wants to do. And you don't have to read very much in the book to realize that God wants us to repent of our sin and turn to him and to become more like him. We kind of find it on nearly every page. So I'm just merely waiting on the Lord and in the quietness and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. And I got zapped. It wasn't about having a physical thing. It's about having a heart thing. And it was a moment, I would say, alongside many other moments that have changed the course and the direction of my life. Why was that moment more memorable than any other? If I'm really honest, I don't really know. Sometimes... You don't know what's changed or is changing. He just brings stuff to the surface and he wants us to chase him and pursue him and please him. Now, that particular time sticks in my head more than some of us because I think I just had this deep-seated, deep-rooted longing to live a life that pleased God. I didn't fully at that time even know what that was or what that would mean. But as you let him in, I promise you... He'll change you and he'll teach you and he'll show you how best to please him. Don't settle. Don't settle for what is. There's such a bigger picture than sometimes we currently see and we need to make it our goal to please God and to be his ambassadors and representatives to get out of the way and to allow the power of God to be displayed fully in our weakness. Why don't, why don't we stand together and we're going to do just that. Steph, will you join me? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.